The destination of this train is North Station. Welcome to another edition of North Station Hoops. I'm your host, Nate Georgie, and I'm joined alongside, like always, uh, I don't think I have anything cool for you this week, Scotty. Uh, Lottie Scavine. I like Lottie Scavine, the man, the myth, the legend, Scott Levine. Uh, but anyway, Scott, how you doing, man? Oh, I, I'm wonderful, Nate. Thanks for, uh, um, you know... <laughs> Let's talk you know, Celtics. You know why? You know why I call you? You've seen Scott Sterling, right? Uh, no. What? You haven't seen those YouTube videos? There's a, there's a couple now. Okay, you're gonna have to watch it after this. That's why I call you the man, the myth, the legend. Because okay. Scott Sterling is the man, the myth, the legend. Um, I think that's been said about a lot of people, Nate. Yes, but it's stated multiple times in okay. these little short skits. It's uh, it's by I want to say College Humor. Oh, okay. I think it's one of their skits. Um, oh, yeah. I, I remember those. Could be wrong. Um, <laughs> but that's interesting. So this is, what, episode six now, and I'm just realizing this. Yeah. I, uh, you'll have to watch it. I'll have to link you. Oh, okay. The first one's much better than the second one. Um, I'm telling you, you're just going to die on the floor laughing at the first one. But nonetheless, Scott, the Boston Celtics on North Station Hoops. That's what we are. Uh, they... They suck. <laughs> like, I don't know, dude. They're, They're just, okay. No, I'm kidding. They're just decimated by injuries <laughs> and, and everything. And I guess we'll get right into that here to start. Um, Jalen Brown, out for the year, uh, the rest of the postseason, the play-in, however long we go. Probably won't be far, but he's out for it. Um, torn ligament in his left wrist. It is the same injury which Romeo Langford suffered and missed, you know, six months total. Uh, from the bubble to when he got back this year, 50 games of this regular season, whatever it was. Um, good news is it's his non-shooting wrist, so I'm optimistic and won't be that bad, um, or at least it won't hold him out for that long. I would hope, um, because if it is a six-month thing, he's gonna miss, you know, the start of next year. I mean, I think they're looking at. I don't know. I think they said October-ish maybe to start next season. And if that's the case and it is a six-month injury, he's not going to be ready for that. Um, so we'll see. Maybe it's less. Uh, it's the same one that Boyan Bogdanovich had. Uh, good news is Boyan Bogdanovich had that injury, came back, and he's a flamethrower this year. So it didn't affect him too bad. Um, so I, I, would, I just want to ask you, before Jalen Brown went down, um, did you have any hope left for this team to – maybe get out of the first round or make some noise i i considered them scary and or maybe even spooky uh like what's less than scary um because i felt you know i was i'm in a group chat for, for some of my friends from college who are sixers fans and i think they didn't want to face the celtics or the heat in the first round um i think those are kind of the I don't want to say sleeping giants. Maybe the Heat deserved that title because they got to the finals. Um, but Celtics are close to that, I think. And when you look at a team like the Hawks or the Knicks, I don't really see how they make a leap beyond what they are right now, which is a good team, but probably uh, like a first-round playoff team. And I thought maybe, just maybe, the Celtics had a gear beyond that. Of course, we've been waiting for that to happen all year. Sometimes it happens for a week and we're like, yep, we're back. Um, 
but now I just felt relieved because I've just been pining for that for the last five or so months. And with this injury, I'm kind of out <laughs> like in terms of thinking we have spooky potential. Yeah, no, I I actually like that term. Like if a team, if you don't want to call a team scary, cause they're like, they're not spooky. I like that. Um, but I was, a, I mean, if I was a Philly fan or a Brooklyn fan, I, I mean, Atlanta and New York are probably playing at their ceiling as their team is currently constructed. Um, going forward, I expect Atlanta to take another jump next year. But for this season, I mean, that was kind of the hope going into the playoffs at the Celtics. They have six guys who are really fucking good at basketball. When you look at Kemba Smart, Fournier, Tatum Brown, and Time Lord. Um, and then you got contributions from the way Pritchard's playing, Neeson's playing, a little bit of Tristan Thompson action. It, it, it's a spooky team. You know, I'll give it to you. It's spooky. You don't – if that switch flips, if that finally flips when it's in the postseason and the games mean more – and the, maybe the defense intensity finally picks up for, uh, you know, an extended duration rather than just, you know, 24 minutes, like the second half of a game where we're down 30. Um, they were probably spooky. But now I agree with you. I'm kind of just relieved. I'm just like, dude, at this point, I don't even – first of all, all right, I'm obviously going to root for Celtics to win in the play-in. But at the same time, I kind of just want to lose and just kind of, like, move on and just enjoy the postseason because they're going to get in a first-round matchup with – Brooklyn, or it's probably going to be Brooklyn, could be Milwaukee if we get through the plan. And it's kind of just like uh, I'm going to sit here and stress and get all riled up for this series that means nothing, and it's just it's just going to add stress for a hopeless for a hopeless cause. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with the Jalen Brown injury. You know, it's kind of a weight off my chest, and it sucks. You know what? The one thing that really frustrates me, he each offseason has taken massive strides forward. We're going to get into that today with our discussion and what our topic is. But he just keeps taking leaps forward. He's – I don't know how much work he can do with a left wrist injury, but he's, you know, he's not going to be able to put in the same amount of work this offseason, which is upsetting because he's just been taking leaps season after season. Yeah, and I wouldn't put it past him to take take another leap anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited to talk about all the leaps that he has made this year uh, once we get to player grades. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on before we get to that point? Uh, I think that's just about it. Um, I think you can, Scott, you can introduce what we're, what we're doing today. Uh, I'd love to as the co-host. Um, so what we are doing is this is kind of, you know, we're pretty much wrapped up at this point. Uh, we're, we're doing this during the Cleveland game in which both teams are, you know, half the players are out. It's very much, uh, what's normally April basketball, but everything got pushed back. So it's May basketball. Um, we decided to take this opportunity to do kind of just an overview of the Celtics key players um, and give them a letter grade, uh, which I always stress out about because, oh man, it, it, I feel like I'm going to set some people somewhere. Brings you uh, back to high school, huh? Exactly. That, that too, you know, because I feel like the, People will like, I'll say a bunch of nice things, then give a player like a B minus and people will be like, what the, what the fuck? Cause like, that's kind of my academic career in a nutshell. Um, but what I'm looking for is how much did they play relative to like my, how, I'm sorry, how well did they play relative to my expectation going into the season? Um, so a B will kind of be like average, like, yeah, he had the season that I kind of thought he'd have. Um, 
and then yeah anything above or below will uh, be either you know much better much worse etc uh so we'll get right to it yeah um so i guess when we talk about the player we're just kind of well first of all i think me and scott are both more you know we're a little less optimistic or we have lower expectations for players coming into the season so like if jason tatum like i mean he's gonna be a first player but uh He's, you know, I feel like a lot of Celtics fans, you know, coming into the season, they had high expectations. Like, oh, he can be a top five player. He can win MVP. It's like, uh, let's slow your roll here. And it, it, that goes down the line with the rest of the roster. I think Scott and I both had, you know, mild expectations for players, I guess. We were not too optimistic. Um, but, yeah, let's get right into it. Jason Tatum. Um, what do you give him? Grade him, Scott. Grade him. You're his, yeah. teacher, you're his professor. What are you giving him? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, there might be some Celtics fan who expected him to be an M- MVP candidate who would be like, you know, C-. minus. But I'm actually going to give Jason Tatum a B+. Plus. Um, I think he slightly exceeded my already, you know, I didn't have MVP level expectations, but I thought he'd be like, you know, a top 15 or so player, uh, top 20. And he's mostly been that and also given me a few things to be excited about that I didn't necessarily expect. Um Probably the thing that I'm most excited about is his pick and roll passing. Uh, Wasn't really there in the same capacity as we've talked about this time last year. Uh, Kind of started to figure it out in the bubble. Um, And now he is just making every read at the level of the screen. Still don't love his passing reads when he like gets uh, in traffic amongst the trees, but we have time to figure that out. And uh, yeah, kind of just kept stayed the course kept doing Jason Tatum things um another reason people might be disappointed in him is if they expected the 40% off pull-up threes on like five attempts a game to to continue uh if if he did that he would be you know that's historic for Damian Lillard or like a you know a 6-2 guy so doing it as a 6-9 guy would just be nutty um that's been 36.6% this year on 5.4 pull-up threes and yeah, that's about what I expected. You know, he's still very, very, very good, but not to the point where like he's causing a panic situation every time he comes off a ball screen. Yeah, and you can kind of see. I mean, well, first of all, teams still don't give him that. Like, if there's a pick and roll, I saw it in the San Antonio game. There were a couple of mistakes Devin Vassell made, where he did not fight, like go balls deep. Uh, okay, all right, balls out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying to. What is the term? I don't know. But he wanted to he balls to the wall, perhaps. Yeah, I guess. Um, the wall being um, Tristan Thompson in this case. Yeah, maybe. But uh, he didn't fight over that screen. Balls to the wall, and Tatum had that pull up three that he's just cash at, and then Vassell got benched after that. Um, so I mean, that's still an emphasis that teams all all teams shoot him like that now. You. Do not go under a screen on him. You you at least, worst case, soft hedge. Um, a lot of the time, teams started blitzing. He started, you know, there was a couple of weeks there where teams were blitzing and he was struggling. Um, then he got a feel for that, and teams basically stopped blitzing him because he was picking them apart. Um, but for me, I think I give – I'm going to give Jason Tatum two grades. A B-plus for the season as a whole. And if you take out that COVID stretch when he came back, I'm giving him an A minus. Um, like you said, I think the biggest impress- impressive part to me was his growth as a passer. I think, I mean, we saw it in the bubble last year. He continued to grow there. Um, I'd, I'd argue his finishing took a slight step forward, at least in the second half of this year. 
looked a little more comfortable there. Um, he got to the line a lot more this year, um, particularly in the second half, really emphasizing to, you know, create contact um, and use that triangle build he has with those broad shoulders. Um, the one part that I would say um, was disappointing was I, I would argue his defense may have took a slight step back. Um, all the advanced metrics say it. Um, and you can kind of just see it, which is come to expect. I think we'll talk about that with Jalen Brown as well. With all the heavy lifting both Jays did, it was we we couldn't expect at least Tatum to keep up a borderline All NBA second team defense level. Um, so for me, A minus. If you take away that those co, I mean, there's a guy I, like I said I follow. He always every single game he he re-updates Tatum stats pre-COVID and then post all-star break and combines them. And at that point, that sample size is up to 40 plus games. And it's like 28, seven and five on like 60% true shooting. And if you look at that, you're like, Oh, that's a top 10 player in the league easily. Um, so yeah, for me, I mean, he, he, I wasn't crazy high on him coming to, into the year. I thought he can just build a little bit on what he did last year. So I give him a B plus a minus ish. So I, I imagine his pull up three percentage was also much higher if you don't count that COVID stretch out. Cause when I was writing that article that kind of published, I think near the end of his COVID stretch, um, mm-hmm. cause he started to like turning on, per, turn it on post all-star break. Uh, my article came out, uh, early March. Um, but when I started writing that article, cause I like kind of procrastinated it for a while, I started it around June or uh, January. Um, around that time he was shooting 43% in like the first handful of games on pull-up threes. Um, then he gets COVID. And then I'm checking back to that stat around like late February and it's 35%. So what the fuck happened to get it from 43 to 35 so quickly? And I'd imagine it would be closer to 40 um, if we didn't factor in that COVID stretch. Well, I actually just pulled up his COVID stretch and it was 21 games. Uh, where he averaged 24 and five uh, on 41% from the field and 32% from deep. Uh, that's, you know, that's not good. Um, that's yeah. Really good. He was, he was sick. You know, it's uh, we're it still learning. Effects, yeah. We're still learning all about all the ways it can. And I just, I'm glad he seems better and uh, he's playing. He is. He's definitely been playing well. It's just a uh, tough season in general. Yeah. Um, which right. will kind of be the refrain for this podcast. Yeah. yeah I think we're going to have a common theme with, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next guy. You want to, you want to get into Kemba next? Uh, sure. Yeah. We talked about Jalen a little bit, but we'll uh, do him after Kemba, I suppose. Um, because we'll, uh, just, I think Kemba is maybe the grade that people are anticipating the most. Um, I think everyone knows that Jason and Jalen made like, you know, pretty good leaps this year as players. Um, I gave Kemba, I gave him like, I gave him a coward's grade. Gave him like a a B minus slash C plus. Uh, And if it was just focused on when he started to like get his game back, get his pull-up shooting back, then it would be more of like a B, uh, maybe even a B plus. Um, But I'm one of those teachers who, who factors in the first quarter grade. Uh, like an absolute asshole. Yeah, I I would give him a B. I would give him a B minus. Um, I think there were a couple things. First of all, I expected him to miss a lot more time than he did to start the year. He only missed eleven games total to start. Came back, 
was an absolute shell of himself to start. Um, I would argue that for a couple months now, maybe even two and a half months, probably since like mid-March or early March, he's had his shiftiness and burstiness back. He's looked, you know, very quick and athletic like we were accustomed to, um, but the shots just weren't falling. And then if you look at over the last uh, – let me find a nice split here and make him sound great. Over the last eight games – I mean, he's shooting 50% from the field, 44% from deep, averaging 26 a game. I tweeted it out earlier. The last six games, he has four 30-point games, uh, four 30 or more point games. The first 37, he had none of those. Um, so, I mean, he's look, he's look, he's probably playing the best Celtics basketball of his career thus far over the last, yeah. you know, week or so. Yeah, I'm going to bump him up to a B-. minus. You're absolutely right. There's no reason for that C-plus start to linger. Um, and I think – also, I just have high expectations for him anyway. So a B Kemba year is, for me, an all-star. And I think he has become that, but it's kind of on the borderline now. Yeah, I was watching um, – I forget what I was watching the other night. It was a YouTube video with some old NBA video from his, uh, his last year in Charlotte. Um, in which um, I don't even know what it was. It could have been the broadcast, to be honest. But they were saying he played – well, he played 82 games that year in Charlotte, and he had, like, the eighth longest streak in the league of, like, consecutive games played of, like, 140 straight. And then he comes here and just, like, can't stay healthy. I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, But it just sucks that he's, like, finding this groove now when it, like, means nothing. Well, it doesn't mean nothing. Like, we can't dismiss it. Um, I think a lot of people are just going to think he had an off year, even if he kills it down the stretch here and even in the playoffs. Um, uh, but it's just, you know, you can't ignore what he's done over the last whatever now. Um, and it just sucks that he's doing it when, you know, no Jalen Brown, no Time Lord. Um, if he was doing this when the squad was healthy or, you know, the squad's never been healthy. But, if, you know, if he did it when all six were there, I mean, this, like you said, that puts his team from spooky to scary. I'll tell you that. Huh. Um, all right, next guy is Jalen Brown. Um, I gave him an A minus. Um, I did too. And there's only one reason he didn't get an A, which I'll get into. But uh, I mean, what he just done this season? It's been more self creation. Fifty six percent of his shots were his assisted this year. That's a career low, including twenty percent self created three point shots, um, which is just you know coming into his career and you thought Jalen Brown would create be creating twenty percent of his three point shots. That'd be crazy to hear um i think he took a step forward in transition this year i mean he just became an absolutely devastating player there i think it was a few weeks ago when i saw that he was second in the league in transition points per game uh behind Giannis. um he, he's just been a monster there um and most impressively um i think he took shook a lot of the bad habits as a passer uh he still suffers a bit from tunnel vision but it's not as extreme and he can now at least make those one pass away reads when he's coming downhill because uh, teams don't want him to get downhill. He's got an incredible in-between game. He's an incredible rim finisher. So teams don't want that. And, you know, they were sending more help this year. And he learned how to, you know, maybe not go full speed. He's always been pretty good, at least for the last couple of years, at probing and not just going straight at the rim. But now he's actually making better reads out of that. He took a step, a substantial step forward as a passer this year, I'd argue. And the only reason he didn't get an A is because I, th- I would say his defense went from – I think a lot of people overrated the hell out of his defense last year. Um, like, I've seen some people have had him all NBA. I thought that was ludicrous. Um, 
I think this year he's been at best case a neutral. I think he's probably been a slight negative this year. Um, his on-ball switching versatility is still there. Like he still can guard probably one through fours, um, especially big men. He can really hang with get stronger guys. But, you know, I thought he was less effective there, made less of an impact. And I think his off-ball, which was already pretty bad, took an even further step back this year. I mean, I'm not going to give him too big of a knock on that because, like I said, with Tatum, he just – the workload he had offensively was ridiculous. Um, so it's tough to just go all out on both ends like that. But A-minus, incredible year, all-star. So – a minus. Yeah, and what's cool about Jalen Brown is, like, he got the A minus, not even, like, improving. Like, he definitely improved his passing a good bit, but it wasn't night and day from last year. It's still not like he's a completely different player. He's just better at everything he's good at now. Um, so... I remember to begin the year. Oh, so I actually, I have the stat up right now and uh, I'll just look at for the entire season. He's shooting 49% from long mid range. So basically that's like Chris Paul hours um, right there off the pull up midi. And uh, yeah, outside of that, his handle has just become even crazier. Like there's so many tight spaces that he just maneuvers through. Um, it's very uncommon that you have that level of handle if you're not like an initiator of sets. Um, he has like one of the, he might have the best handle on the team at this point. It's either him or Kemba. Um, it's, it's really that good. <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of funny, right? Because I was like, is Brown, you know, going to be this all-star player? Is he going to kind of be this like top 40 type, you know? because there might be like a ceiling on his game if he can't, you know, buoy an offense with like create for others and all this stuff. Um, and he showed me that he can reach those all-star levels uh, despite sticking mostly in his kind of secondary role, uh, which is so impressive and makes me kind of reconsider the ceiling of that archetype. Um, I think we're going to end up in a dangerous spot where all these dependent well, not dependent, but like, you know, non-primary players are going to be compared to Jalen Brown coming up in draft cycle. Like, oh yeah, he kind of reminds me of Jalen Brown. But I want to push back and say that Jalen Brown has become an outlier in that archetype um, just by being so goddamn good at the things he's good at. Yeah, what were your like, ex- I, I know you and I were both a little bit lower on him than consensus Celtics fans. Um at least last season and probably coming into this year, what were your basic, I mean, what would, what would he have done this year to get a B? What would be different? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so I was on my friend Garrett Bouguet's uh, pod as I am every preseason to do the uh, top 30 players. And Garrett blindsided me by having Jalen Brown 24th, which like maybe, maybe seems a little high still, maybe by like five points, maybe he's like, I put him in like the 30 ish range, uh, high twenties. Um, but it really blindsided me then. Like I didn't consider Jalen for the top 30 list. Uh, I had him, I'm going to say it right now. Let's rip the bandaid off. I put him 59 in our top hundred players rankings, uh, that we kind of abandoned. I think some of that was just frustration from the heat series. Um, just because he was struggling against the zone in early rounds or the early games. Um, 
and I don't actually think he's the 59th best player. I would say, uh, you know, like I said, around like a top 40 guy, um, kind of the ceiling that I perceived his role would allow him to hit. I also remember being a little bit lower on him in that top 100. Um, did you happen to see where I had him? Uh, I want to say that you had him in like the 40s, maybe here. I'm going to I'm gonna pull up the Excel sheet right now. <laughs> That'd be uh, awesome. I remember you and I were both a lot higher yeah, we on were, Hayward yeah. and Smart. Yep. And then a lot lower on <laughs> Brown and Kemba. You had him, I think, 41. Yeah, that is me. I did have Jalen Brown. There's no names at the top anymore, is there? Uh, they're at the bottom, I think. Oh, okay. If I'm the okay, no, I'm the first list. So I had him. I didn't have him 41. I had him. Yeah, I did have him 41. Um, yeah, which I think is about right for what expectation was coming into this season. I don't know, like 40, anywhere from like 30 to 45. You know, as Ben Taylor, he just released his pod, the sub All Stars. I think Jalen Brown was firmly in that tier, and now he's like a borderline all-star sub all-star to me you know in that kind of 25 to 35 range i mean you jumped 20 players in the league in one season that's a and you had a good year <laughs> you know um but yeah all right who's the next guy you want to get to um let's let's just go right down the roster let's talk marcus let's talk marcus um and uh yeah i think this was just a very marcus smart year you know i i think i gave him a b I give him a B minus. All right. Actually, let me check to see what I gave him. Now I'm, now I'm doubting myself. Yeah, I gave him a B. This is just, it was just a Marcus Smart year. I know the defense and the shooting might have tailed off a little bit, but I don't know. I just felt like the vibes were still there, and I liked him a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, I think you're pretty – I would give him pretty close to a B. I think, like you said, the shot, it was like 35% last year, 36 from B, 33 this year. Um his defense, I would say, I don't think I have any sort of advanced metric to back this up or anything. The only thing I'll say about his defense is you just you just didn't feel it as much. Like right, right. Feel his presence as much, um, which you know all sometimes can be a good thing, I guess, on defense. Uh, but he, uh, the one thing I will say is he even took another step forward as a passer. Um, I think he's still continuing to grow there. I think there's a lot of times where he's kind of not not assist hunting but he's just kind of like probing for too long and defenses especially over the last couple weeks now I've really seen that when he gets downhill and he's you can tell he's just looking to pass and looking to see where the help comes from teams just aren't helping because they know like smart's not going to finish anything within the paint uh but nonetheless be minus for him pretty much a Marcus smart year except for a slight up down tick in defense i would argue in his shot like you said yeah and the shot a quick note about that i feel like he's taking more audacious threes this year like audacious threes per 36 is is slightly higher maybe that's just because he realizes he kind of needs to because our offense is worse Mm -hmm. but i I just feel like there's a lot of uh marcus smart is like 28 feet out and just like i'm gonna shoot this um so maybe part of that is like just necessary maybe he feels that he needs to do that more um, maybe he realizes that we're probably not going to get a better shot <laughs> if, if we try something else. Um, and, and, and if he can like hit those at like a 35, 36% clip along with everything else, um, that would be interesting. Cause I mean, he kind of, he kind of always has had a flair for the audacious, but I just feel like he's firing him up quicker this year. Is he going to go down as like 
as a player who plays a lot of minutes and takes a lot of shots through their career as like one of the lowest efficiency players of all time, at least from two, <laughs> at least from two point range. Cause I mean, he shot 48% from two this year, 39% from the field overall. That's kind of par for the course. 40, he shot 41% from two last year. Yeah. Well, he has the Celtics record for most made threes in a game. Um, That's true. I remember that. Uh, 10? Was it 10? It was 11. It went 11 for 22. Marcus Smart decided to take – he woke up and decided to take 22 threes that day. It was an afternoon game. I remember it. And I, <laughs> it was a weekend, I believe. I was playing basketball at the time, and I got out to look, and I was like, dude, I was like, holy shit, Marcus Smart hit 11 threes. Slide over a little bit. I was like, holy shit, Marcus Smart <laughs> attempted 22 Like 50% threes. is still good, but if you're making 11 threes, oftentimes you shot more than 50%. Exactly. Unless you're Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah. Um, Again, unless you're Steph Curry against the Thunder, because I think it's twice now in the last three weeks he's had the chance to break the record through three quarters, and he just doesn't play the fourth because they're up 35, and Steve Kerr doesn't let him break the record. Um, but, all right, next player. I want to talk about Time Lord. Um, I think you can probably guess what I gave him. I can probably guess you also gave it, him. It was, it was a question between whether we give him an A or an A-plus for me. Okay, if A-pluses are a thing, I would give him an A-plus. No. Yeah, I just, I just didn't want to. I, I wanted to – I didn't want to uh, uh, just cap it there, you know. And A says you were excellent, but I think you have another level. That's fair. That's true. Uh. I agree. Um, I mean, I, how can it be an A at this point for him? I mean, he – since the Daniel Charge trade, I mean, that's basically when he was fully unleashed. Um, and just the skill set that he has, brings to the table for this offense. He cannot space the floor in terms of uh, perimeter spacing. But when he's on in the game, you can just see the better flow and spacing mm-hmm. there is with him out there because teams cannot help from him in the dunker spot or it's it's a lob easily. Mm-hmm. Um, he the dribble handoffs like when he catches the ball out in the perimeter or whatever, or even at the elbow, unless he's wide open, he'll take the mid range elbow. She actually has a pretty solid mid range shot. I think I don't have the number in front of me, but I thought he shot pretty well there. Um, but you can just see it. he's a much quicker decision-making. I mean, this is part of it is to do to the backup center. We'll get in sh- into Tristan Thompson. But you can just see the night and day difference with the offense and how it flows with him out there versus Thompson. Um, he's just always – as soon as he catches the ball, he's looking to do a dribble handoff. He's looking to give the ball up. He's looking to roll the rim. If he's in the dunker spot, um, he just provides incredible vertical spacing. Um, he's yeah. an A for me easily. I think a term I want to – uh, use instead of vertical spacing. Now, I mean, I think that's a good term, but I think this kind of paints it really well for what he does. I would call him a rotation forcer. So that's, yeah. The, yeah so basically he is going to force that rotation from the weak side every single time mm-hmm. when he's rolling to the rim. And like you said, that just by forcing that rotation, you create an opening elsewhere. Um, and sometimes teams might have to pre-rotate if, uh, or like kind of anticipate that, at which point he has the passing to dissect that. Uh, I wrote an entire article about how Bam Adebayo put the Celtics through this very torture chamber in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I've been kind of com- making this comparison ad nauseum, but if there was another guy to like put the uh, teams in jail like that, it would have to be Robert Williams. Like you rarely find that level of vertical spacing, which I just contradicted myself, but that's okay. I contain multitudes. Um, you don't see that level of rotation forcing 
vertical spacing along with passing for whatever reason. I think you're going to see it more as these Evan Mobley types come in the league and are taught to learn how to dribble and pass and stuff like that. But for now, it's pretty rarefied air, and it's the best compliment I can give Robert Williams on offense. Yeah, I like that. I, I want to trademark that. <laughs> uh, or you can trademark it. Um, yeah. Last thing on Robert Williams, um, our good premium hoops friend, Jackson Frank, actually just put out a piece on him today. Uh, I need to read that. Holy shit. Yeah. Because uh, like, I feel like, okay, I try to get to every Jackson Frank piece. Mm-hmm. And there's some, and he writes so many. So if it's like some guy on the Grizzlies, I'm just like, uh, I don't have time. But I need to drop everything to read that Rob Will piece. Yeah, yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, so check that out for sure. I mean, if yeah. you listen to us, you probably know who Jackson Frank is. But um, all right, next one. And now that I think about it, I actually do want to read that one. It was about D'Anthony Melton, what I'm talking about. I was going to say, it had yeah. if, if someone's writing about the Grizzlies on NBA Twitter, it's got to be D'Anthony <laughs> Melton. <laughs> That's the yeah. dark. Uh, all right, the yeah. next player I want to bring up is our trade deadline acquisition, Evan Fournier. Um, I give him a B plus. Um, I did too. Near and depending on, I mean, I guess his grade could even change depending on how he does. Oh, I gave him a B, but like, I think he's deserved the B plus um, because we're we're seeing the vision for sure. The, we're the see- idea we're we're seeing the idea of why he was brought over here and why we liked the move especially for two second round picks and Jeff Teague who yeah, gets an F, who gets an F. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> Didn't he? Uh, uh, C- C- no, minus. He's still on Milwaukee, right? I'll give him a C minus. I'll be nice. Cause he did have that one stretch. Well, he cooked end. Milwaukee so bad that they exactly. bought him out <laughs> or they, they, they signed him. I feel like there was like the first week of when he was there, he like played well and everyone's like, Oh, Celtics are toxic. Of course he, he looks better outside of there or something. And he isn't, playing anymore yeah <laughs> he, he's a, a, he, he's the point guard innings eater for, for the yeah ball. that's a good evan term um i don't know jeff teague clearly reliant on that extra burst that kind of uh isn't there propelled him through his uh atlanta days etc and yeah he's just injury after injury and you know it's good on him like fighting you know sticking around but I don't know if he'll be in the league next year. I do. He won't be. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. There's other right. leagues. Evan Fournier, though. Um, I give him a B plus, and if he ends the season, I I don't think there's – I think he's probably the only player who could probably change their grade based on three regular season games of playing and maybe a first-round matchup. Um, he could get to an A-. minus. I mean, if you look he's at his so, – He's so good. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his <laughs> stretch, when he first came to the Celtics, right, the first – four-ish games they weren't great i want to say three-ish um then he had like two or three really good games got hit with COVID, came back from covid had another three or four really slow games and then the last five have been absurd with him i don't have the stretch in front of me but it's like over 20 a game it's absurd efficiency shooting he's like you mentioned the most important part is how great he's been as a connector a quick decision maker like you guys love to say on sensibility a Pass, dribble, or shoot immediately in 0.5 yep. seconds or less. 0.5 seconds. Uh, that's Evan Fournier. And it's kind of like Kemba where, like, you saw how this will work when the ball go- starts to go in. Even on those nights where he was, like, 0 for 5 from 3, he was still, like, attacking closeouts and finding the next open guy. Like, I was 
so confident that once the three-point shot started falling, and it would, um, that it would just all click into place. <laughs> like, it was really just the three-pointer. I, I <laughs> Maybe I know he was dealing with a lot of symptoms. He said he had, like, blurry vision, which is kind of yeah. scary. Um, but even so, uh, he was doing Evan Fournier things, Sands making shots. I, dude, I just hope he resigns. Like, I hope we extend him yeah. because he would be so big for this team. I hope what's happened since he's got here doesn't leave a bad taste in his mouth and he wants to leave, you know, like all these guys go down with injury, the locker room. I don't know how the locker room is. It's probably fine. But, you know, the media, the way they're talking about the Celtics, I hope that doesn't get to him and, you know, turns him off from resigning here. Um, I don't know what – what would you offer him in the offseason as an extension? Uh, I would offer him – so what, he's 28, 29? yeah. All right, so I'll for, try to be Danny Ainge here. Um, I'll say he's 29. Uh, he's 28, turns 29 for, yeah, in October. When he'll be getting the money. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, probably I'd start at around 464, not 64, probably like 456. I could go 64, maybe, maybe last year not guaranteed. Um, I think he is... I know he wouldn't might not be starting, but I think he is the level of starter that you know uh, warrants a twelve to fifteen million dollars annually. Yeah, that's just about where I had it. I think I I, I think you're gonna have to give him four because I think a team will offer him four. Yeah, like um, the, if if you're the Mavericks, why not just give him four six? Oh, absolutely. That's been like the that's yeah. been the. That's been the Twitter darling right there. Because he's, like, he's European. Dallas. Yeah, that's true. He's white, he's European, and he can shoot the ball. So, sure. Dallas. Um, yeah, I just hope – I don't know, man. I hope I hope we give him that fourth year. I hope we just do what we can to keep him. I don't know yeah. I don't know what a team could offer him, really. I don't think a team – any team is going to go over 20 per. But um, I don't know. And I believe if we lose him, we get another – a. Uh, well, we already have half a team. <laughs> we already have half a trade player exception yeah. left. And I think if he leaves, we get another. Like, Danny Ainge is just stockpiling him. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. He's going to combine them all one day. It's, a, it's like, a Ponzi trade exception. He's going to combine them all one day for, like, Damian Lillard or something. <laughs> it's um, going to be like the Exodia meme. Yeah. Where, where he's yeah. summoning all. Yeah, okay. We, we all know it. We all, we're, all, <laughs> we're all online. Danny, I saw uh, the Ponzi scheme, though. I saw when, when, uh, when one of the boston the writers was talking about how we get a cpe if he leaves <laughs> someone said like it's starting to feel like a ponzi scheme yeah that's yeah i think i just said that 10 seconds ago no that's what i'm saying that's why i oh. said it oh yeah um, i didn't see right. it beforehand now well just goes to show you know everyone's already had your idea yeah for because of twitter now exactly. uh, darn it i used to be funny <laughs> all right uh the next player who we kind of referenced i think you can probably guess what our grade is going to be for him. Uh, Tristan Thompson, uh, C plus. And I, I, I gave him a, I gave him a hard C. I mean, there are <laughs> nights where he's playing well and I'm like, yeah, he's, he's there. Like he's yeah, just kind of there. I, I, I like him. You know, maybe I expected too much. Um, I, I think but, that's my issue. I expected <laughs> defensively. Yeah. I expected a little too much from him. I think the logical flow of the Tristan Thompson signing was, you know, it was right after we lost in that heat series, bam, mm-hmm. put us in prison. And uh, it's like, okay, this was a direct reaction to, uh, you know. It was that. It was Embiid as well. Yeah, Embiid too. You know, just six fouls and uh, a couple bruises. You could 
dole out. Uh, yeah, but we're not good enough for him to like matter at that point. <laughs> you know, uh, he was kind of like a maybe he gets you over the top if you're already an Eastern Conference Finals team. Um, but now it's just kind of awkward, and uh, he hasn't really made as many of those. Actually, let's see. Sorry. Well, I'll tell you what. His efficiency is probably the worst in the league for a center. He okay, because, yeah. Two shooting of 53%. For yeah, because I'm going to look. The thing, the thing I always liked about Tristan Thompson is that he uh, makes a lot of those bunnies. Um, and he still has made fit 45% from short mid-range. And we all know how much he loves those hook shots and how much he loves to go to them at all times. Dive into um, people's chests and do that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, you know, uh, and 45% isn't bad for those, but when coupled with the fact that he's shooting 57% at the rim, according yep. to cleaning the glass, which is ninth, ninth, percentile. ninth percentile for bigs. And the fact that he's shooting 38% of his shots from short mid uh, in that kind of bunny range where he's shooting 45%, like almost like 40% of his shots are coming from there. And as good as you can be from that area, if you're taking that many shots as like those hook, uh, you know, eight footers, uh, that's not good. Um, so like you said, the overall product is a very low efficiency center. Um, and that would be okay if he was a better passer. Uh, but there's just a certain hesitancy to his reads for the, which is no, no for the Celtics who like to, who like to, you know, use their bigs as dribble handoff hubs who like to make them have play, make off the short roll a little bit. Um, that's just not been his game at all. Uh, so I think almost a full letter grade due to his lack of passing chops, in my opinion, because everything else has been about what I expected. Maybe the finishing tailed off a little bit but he was a low uh, efficiency center in Cleveland maybe I should have paid more attention to that um, but just no or like very little passing utility um, and to me big men passing is super important uh, and so yeah it's just not really worked he's got another year in his deal too I mean we'll see how that is I assume really he- it's it's all guaranteed I don't know if it's all guaranteed, but I can't imagine they just cut him, especially with the way yeah, our backup true. center I mean, position looks right well, now. He's fine. He's fine. Like, it's a lot of money for him, uh, but I'm not signing his checks, so I don't really care about that. Like, he's a fine backup center. Um, I kind of had hopes that he would be, like, a co-starter. Like, we play, like, Tyson Thompson as starter, depending on the night. Um, what's kind of – you know, couch yeah, Brad decided to start the together. Is, is the starter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That might've also tainted my view, just that experiment, um, which probably should have been gone after maybe the first couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Just time Lord being the guy just makes all this so much easier to stomach. Yeah. And that's part of the thing with time Lord now where I don't want to speak it into existence, but he just keeps picking up and racking up these injuries. Uh, Hopefully they're behind him, but Thompson's not going to go anywhere, especially the fact that he's the number two center. The first one has an injury history. Um, I don't know what's out there on the market for a center. Plus, if we re-sign Fournier, there's no money there anyway. So Thompson will be back next year, I assume. Um, But C-plus for me. Um, And now that we speak through it, I might might have to lower that. But uh, next guy, the next – we're going to basically – the rest of this is going to be young guys. Um, 
who you know always have to temper your expectations with, especially the rookies. Um, but we'll get right into our two rookies this year. Peyton Pritchard gets an A for me. If you're a late first rounder and you give a team seven a night on 60% true shooting as a guard, I mean, how can't you be impressed by that? He's 41% from deep this year. We, I know you love to talk about just like his incredible potential he has from out there, the range he has from out there, how comfortable he is from out there. Um, he, he's also impressed me in other areas, putting the ball on the ground. I think he's a pretty, like I said one time before, a crafty finisher. You know, ho-hum, that's par for the course for a white guy, but he's a crafty finisher. Um, he's just been – and he hasn't been a train wreck defensively, which has been important. I think his only knock – his passing isn't what I expected. I think it's a lot worse than I expected. Um, he misses a lot of passes, and then he – at the same time, he forces a lot of passes that aren't there. He had great chemistry with Rob, but you could see after a few times he hit Rob with a lob – all raw with a lob <laughs> like that. Hey, <laughs> after he did that a few times, like he just forced it over and over again. Um, so I think as a passer, it's not what I expected, but overall an A for me. And he's also benefiting from to get a B, he would just have to like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, be what Carson Edwards is this year. Right. Like show a couple of shot making flashes and be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Cause when we first, picked him i am a part-time draft guy uh as you are and we were just like what like we had not been told to look at this guy at all by the draft twitterati and so it kind of blindsided me i kind of felt like in my feelings the rest of the draft like what why did we pick him um and if you look at a few names past him which i won't uh not gonna think about Jaden mcdaniels and Desmond Bain. (laughs) Yeah, but honestly, Pritchard and Bain, that's kind of close for me. I know Bain's a Twitter darling, but like, sheesh, man. Pritchard has really kind of elevated himself into that like high-end backup to potentially low-end starter ceiling, like I said. Like you can't just – the way he's been playmaking – not playmaking because it's not really the passer, but the way he's been like creating shots for himself and, and, and just firing, you have to like you can't just think, oh, this is a backup point guard. Um, he's become a little different than that, which is why he gets the A. Actually, I would say, push back on what you said earlier, I would say Pritchard has the second best handle on our team. Oh. I think Jalen Brown might have a flashier handle, but I think in terms of ball security. Yeah. Pritchard it's those might... dribbling drills. You seen that video? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a good handle. He was pounding that ball growing up in the garage. Two balls. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh golly! Oh wow! In the <laughs> well, garage, you, know the you say. In the garage, you say. <laughs> All right, next guy. Uh, the same, uh, same first round pick, Aaron Neesmith, fourteenth overall. Don't know why I said that. Like I'm introducing him, but I give That's him an okay. A minus. I did too. Um, if you asked me a month ago, I probably would have said a B, maybe even lower. Um, an A minus, just because of how he's played over the last month. He's become a bona fide rotation guy to stay. I think Brad said before last night's game that he's – I forget what the quotes were, but it was something along the lines of, like, he's here – he's in the rotation. He's here to stay. Like, he's a legit guy. Um, that shooting and movement shooting is finally coming to fruition. Um, but it's not even that that's what's been impressive. I mean, the shots falling are obviously great. That's awesome. But he just looks so comfortable now attacking closeouts and making passes. He made a pass last night to Evan Fournier for three. Um 
where they drew up a play after – I think it was at the start of the second quarter. They drew up a play for Neesmith for, you know, a catch-and-shoot movement shooting kind of shot. Um, and the second he caught it and it wasn't there, he swung it immediately to Fournier at the top of the key for three. And it was just – you know, you kind of see that regularly from him now when he's just making passes. He just looks comfortable. It's that simple. He just looks comfortable. Yeah, we talked about like his team defense and his motor uh, on the last pod, and so we won't go into too much about that. But like, even since from the last pod, like from that time forward, he's made a jump. As at least he showed that he's made a jump um, as a after the catch playmaker. Um, he is doing, you know, he's putting the ball on the floor, doing an Evan Fournier where he attacks the closeout and finds the, the logical next pass. You can see him working through the um, solutions. Uh, he's doing that at least once a game now. Um, there's like, there was one last night against the Heat. Uh, yeah, he just like, I think he like caught it, faked, um, drew in the defenders and then dimed up Pritchard on the other side of the wing. Uh, and it's like, he's just doing that now. Like, it's surreal. And I don't really blame anyone who was lower on him pre-draft because, like, he was kind of billed as, like, this shooting specialist. And we hadn't quite seen the motor and the playmaking and all that. But we're seeing it now. And we're definitely seeing it now. Yeah. I We were talking before we started recording how, like, how, like, cool it is to have this guy (laughs) like it's him and rob will i'm not used to like feeling like a young player is like greatly exceeding expectations and even pritchard um we've kind of like not had a breakout rotation player other than like jalen and jason who you kind of expect it from um i don't know maybe it's because this these are all the picks that ainge saved up and now they're kind of coming to fruition. You don't uh, think James Young broke out? <laughs> I, I uh, <laughs> Okay. So like there was like Grant who we'll get into, but I wouldn't like describe him as like breaking out. You know, he's not cemented himself as like an NBA starter the way I think Rob will has and Neesmith might be on his way to doing um, maybe, I don't know. Uh, we did pick like Ante Zizic and Gershon. Sollinger. Uh, yeah, that was bad. That was way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but, like, we were kind of talking about it earlier in the season with Rob. It's like, we're not used to being pleasantly surprised with, like, later round picks mm-hmm. as Celtics fans. And this year has kind of been – that's been the bright spot of this year, just how pleasantly surprised I am with Neesmith, Peyton Pritchard, and Rob Williams and just the continued improvement of the Jays. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of Sully, do you see him now? He's, like, thin. He's, oh, it's good for him. He's playing overseas. I forget where, but he's, like, legit thin now. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, he's kind of like, like skinny Jokic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's not exactly – like, you can still see, like, the skinny fat to him, but he's, like yeah. – Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. He's, <sighs> he's always been kind of a more big-bone guy, you know, tree trunk legs. Yeah, not like Glenn Davis, but, I mean – Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, next guy, our first rounder last year, same pick, 14th overall, only Langford. Um, I give him a B. Um, I did too. Just because we – I don't know what you could have possibly expected from him knowing yeah. he was going to miss 50 games. I mean, I think when he came back from that injury at first, 
we all got a little too excited about it. Um, he was showing some, showing some oomph that at first, particularly defensively, um, but then the three-point shot wasn't falling. Teams just were leaving him alone. Um, when he was attacking closeouts, he just – I thought I thought a lot of the attacking closeouts, they were either an absolute train wreck or he made a great player and just missed the layup. Like, there were so many times he attacked the closeout, got to the rim, and just missed the easy shots like he hits in his sleep. Um, so, I guess that's probably why he fell out of the rotation is just teams not respecting his shot at all because I don't think he really – defensively, like I said, I thought he was pretty solid. You know, mm-hmm. like we talked about his point of attack. His team defense not, might not be incredible, but he's fine there, and he can be a point of attack defender. Um, I'm still optimistic about him going forward for sure. I think giving him a healthy offseason, I think that's going to be huge for him. Um, but for this season, I give him a B particularly. I mean, he barely played. The, the important thing I'll say about his offensive game is you can see how it would work if he mm-hmm. became like a 35% shooter. Uh, like you said, his after the catch, uh, you know, read and react ability is, you know, it, it, when it's there, you're like, okay, I see, I see, I see, I see it now. Um, I see why he's getting minutes over Neesmith who was struggling at the time. Um, I like his kind of, you know, touch around floater range because he's not – he's pretty strong, pretty big, but he's not going to get to the rim off the closeout tech every single time. So having that in his bag is going to be huge for him. Yeah, I, I mean, motor really good. Uh, that's another thing I'll say about him defensively is, like, he kind of has – like I said last episode, he kind of, like, plays offense really laid back, uh, and then you kind of throws you off by how hard he works on defense. It's kind of a weird combination. Yeah, that is kind of kind of like a little bit like Tatum too. Yeah, but Tatum's kind of just seems laid back on both ends of the court. To be honest, yeah, he'll just be like casually intercepting a pass. Yeah, whereas Langford just becomes like he looks like an entire different, entirely different movement pattern as soon as uh, the other team gets the ball. Yeah, I'm just really excited for him this offseason, To be honest, yeah, he's good. I think that's. The I think thing. he he's, can he's be just a, good at basketball. A rotation player, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and I, I don't know if I would have said that a year ago. I didn't really. He was kind of like cryptocurrency. Um, <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> just waiting on this Romeo Langford to go up, and then I'll be set. Um, and, and no one really had an idea of what would happen. Yeah, waiting on this Langford to go up, and then I'll sell yeah. him for a star, but I won't actually sell him because my name's Danny Ainge. All right, next player. Semi Ojale, who oh we got to go Grant Williams before we go Semi. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, I'll let you start it off with Grant. So, Grant, I'm sorry, I gave you a C plus. Oh, but this is not like a get out of my classroom C plus. This is a, I'm gonna, uh, this is gonna sound patronizing. Uh, this is I really like you as a student, and you're a pleasure to have in class. But I had high hopes for you. And it's been kind of a weird road. It's that student that doesn't apply himself, you know? Uh, He definitely applies himself. That's not (laughs) wrong. But I guess in this analogy, uh, that would be the case. Like, I don't know. I've gotten C's in class and my professors has told me, like, this doesn't reflect, like, I think you're a great dude or something like that. (laughs) A Um, great dude. Like, I I like you. I like having you in class. But, like, I just messed up one of the assignments. Um, So, uh that's kind of how I feel that energy is how I feel about Grant Williams. You know, don't worry about the grade too much, but I think Grant, he is going to have an A season soon. I see that in his future. Um, Let me write that one down. Yeah. I, I think he's one of the smartest defenders. I think I've 
had the pleasure of watching on the Celtics. And what's, what's happening is he is really just fearless. He'll just make mistakes. And sometimes it gets him benched. But I really like that approach because if you look at Grant Williams, you know, not that good of a shooter, uh, not very athletic. Um, there, there is, you know, he willed himself to be playing in the NBA um, through, through, through craft, through, through, through intellect, through b-ball feel. Um, and now he's still trying to figure out exactly what he can and can't do on an NBA court. So there'll be times when, like on defense, he's, you know, just foul, picks up three fouls in five minutes because he's like, how much can I push the envelope here? How hard can I rotate? Um, will this get called, et cetera? He's like, every Grant Williams defensive possession is a lab experiment. Um, and I really like players who play that way. And I often put faith in them to eventually figure it out. So offensively, you know, we can talk about this, but I really feel like he hasn't been put in a position to succeed. And that's totally okay. His skill set kind of demands a specific fit, but instead we've been putting him out in the corner and telling him to get up to threshold level there. Um, I'd love to talk more about that, but based on, you know, what we had him do, uh, maybe a B minus now that I'm talking myself into it, but like on that cusp, just because I am a big Grant Williams believer and I know he can do better. Well, I think with Grant, a couple of things off what you said. When he was drafted, he kind of – he didn't think he'd be, like, the project guy that he kind of is yeah. turning out to be. You'd think he'd be the guy, the smart player, who's going to come in and make an impact right away with a low ceiling, I guess. Um, but it's kind of been the opposite. Um, but, like, I want to talk a little bit about what you mentioned with the way we're utilizing him. Um, I mean, on offense, half the time, he is just standing in the corner, um, catch and shoot, which he's – improved on a ton this year. He's 36% from deep this year. Last season, 25%. And we all know he started over whatever it was, 30 from deep um, to start his career. But better utilizing him, um, I think the obvious way, you'll probably agree, is more dribble handoff situations with him. He's a good, great screener. Um, he's a good passer. He has shown glimpses of being able to fake handoffs and attack the rim. Um, he doesn't always finish them when he gets there. It kind of looks sloppy. Um, but my whole thing about that is he's a role player, if that. Um, he might be lower. How much are you going out of your way to change your offense to fit Grant Williams and where he succeeds? You know what I mean? Like, if you can't do what you're kind of meant to do on this team, then it's, you know, they're not going to restructure the offense so Grant Williams feels more comfortable, you know, even though it may benefit the offense in the long run. Um, I just think, dude, if he was, like, an inch and a half taller, two inches, like, he'd just be – perfect to be our backup center behind Tom Lloyd and just run the same kind of stuff with both of them. But he's not, and he can't really play backup center that often. He's got, he need, you know, like he's a tweener. Like, and I think his defense this year took a step back on ball. I think he was pretty bad on ball this year. Um, I thought he had a little bit of switchability he showed last year to hang with quicker guys this year. Not the case at all. I think he's even bigger this year. Um, I'd like to see him cut a little bit of weight, but he's probably afraid to because then he's, no chance he could play backup center at that height. I mean, he's literally Chuck Hayes size, Draymond Green size, if not shorter. Um, but I don't know. I just kind of went on a random little tangent there. But uh, go ahead and chime in a little more. Yeah, and this is like the dilemma that, like, he's he's fighting an uphill battle to, like, stick in an NBA rotation. And he has been since he got drafted. And he's 
sometimes really succeeded. And I think he can continue to. Um, yeah, like you said, we don't really need to be using him in like these DHO situations. We don't need to be like having him be a short role creator, which I actually think he'd be tremendous at. If you like put him in Indiana and like just had him run in that like uh, short role DHO type Sabonis role and like be the be the be the backup Sabonis, um, in a, and be like have the floor spacing of a Miles Turner next to him, uh, he would be much further along offensively than he currently is. Uh, he would look more like that early contributor type that we expected to see pre-draft. And now he's kind of this um, unorthodox upside swing, like you're saying, where it's like we're a lot, where we're hoping that he like becomes a respected shooter and can figure out all the little idiosyncrasies um, because he has such little margin for error on defense. Um, and then maybe you have like a, you know, a top hundred player, top eighty player who can like maybe start in some situations, and uh, it really isn't this amazing upside play. So putting all those resources into him is un- not putting all these resources into him is understandable. Yeah. I, uh, I'm still, I'm not out on him though. I know a lot no. of Celtics fans are, I'm not out on him at all. And like you said, I remember uh, a couple pods ago, he, I like what he does where he just, you know, you referenced it again today, but the way he just kind of tries to push the envelope and see what he can get away with. And he tries to just galaxy brain everything. Like he knows the rotation that's supposed to be made, but he's like, okay, I'm going to go pre-rotate the next rotation after that, even though the pass hasn't even made its way to the first guy yet. Um, and then he gets benched for the mistakes like that. Um, and I still think Brad like is high on him. Like I think there's reasons he keeps throwing him out there um, and then gets benched. Cause he, he just, he sees what he can be. Um, but yeah, I think that's enough. I think uh, remember when uh, Jeff Van Gundy called Monte Morris, the human right decision. I Remember that? Nick? <laughs> no, I've never heard of that. Is that the okay, case? Okay. I feel like well, Tyus Jones them, is more the human right decision. I think both of them are. You know, yeah, uh, they both have that ridiculous assist turnover ratio. But Grant Williams right now is the human good mistake. That's what I'll call him. Okay, I well, he I, makes good mistakes. I guess it's almost yeah. like I don't want to compare him to Matisse Thybul instead in, in terms. of I mean, it's kind of like it's over kinda rotating like a is a good mistake, right? Yeah, it's kind of like going down swinging, striking out swinging rather than looking at strike three. You know what I mean? You know, the count's three and two, and you actually took a hack at it. Which is kind of like a coach heuristic. Yeah. Yeah, instead of looking yeah, to be walked like, on three you know, you'd two, rather, he went you'd down rather a guy over rotate than under. You'd rather a guy over rotate than under rotate. If he's not rotating in the first place, then you have a real problem because you, you know, have this guy who you're relying on to make these rotations and he's not doing them, but Grant Williams understands where he needs to be. So it's again, it's just the margin for error is so low that he's found these weird ways to try to stay afloat, you know, despite his physical limitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he'll figure it, it out. That's putting it lightly with physical limitations. Um, all right. Last guy, the last guy who even played like a <laughs> meaningful rotation spot this year. I mean, there's like four other guys here, but, you know, they just didn't play enough. There's no point in grading them. Uh, Semi Ojale, who Mark Schindler will give him an A. Uh, I think if you asked me two months ago, he'd probably get an A. Um, only because, well, I still give him a B plus. I would say only yeah. because I coming into the season, I didn't think he was a rotation player. I thought he was out, um, 
And then for two or three months there, he fucked around and was just like an incredible rotation player. His three-point shot was falling. It still is. Like his shot still looks better. Um, but he kind of just slipped out of the rotation. Um, I think it was just his slow decision-making was just – it was – he was doing better at just the one decision he can make in terms of pass dribble shoot was shoot. Like he was just quickly shooting. But attacking closeouts and dribbling, he's just a train wreck there. Absolute train wreck. Um, and I think making that extra pass, he's not great at. So I think that's kind of why he slipped out. Um, yeah. I and he, he also was... doesn't have a block shot this year in 900 minutes. Fun yeah, guy. and that's what I'm going to get to is, like, he was kind of billed to start his career as, like, this defensive specialist. And I don't even know if he's, like, that impactful on defense unless you need to wall up Giannis Antetokounmpo. Mm-hmm. Um, in which case, you know, you're just kind of maybe marginally better uh, with him on the floor defensively. Uh, he's really kind of good in those on-ball muscle matches, but not recording a block shot. Like, that's just that, – that, that says it right there. You know, he's, like you said, 6'6 six, six with a 6'10 wingspan, and he played 900 minutes this year. Um, he just no events creation, uh, no pre-rotating, no over-rotating like Grant Williams. Um, and, yeah, so when you factor in that he might not just be this special defensive player um, – it's no longer like, oh, Semi just needs to hit threes or Semi just needs to be able to take two dribbles and put the ball in the hoop um, to make it worth playing him because of his defensive, you know, how great he is defensively. It's, it's not really that. It's more just like he's a neutral, if he can get it all together, defender and below average offensive player. So, yeah, that's why I give him a BB plus because he's been a little better than that. You know, he's maybe been – um, a little bit closer to neutral um, in, in moments when the shot's falling and he can like put it on the floor a little bit on offense. Yeah. I mean, he was a, he was a flamethrower for a while. He had that game. <laughs> I'm not going to pull up his game log as I type it in, but I'm not going to do it. Um, he had, it was early in the year. It was the first month he had like a 20, he had like seven threes against the team. And it was just like, holy shit. Some of like shoot the ball. This is going to be incredible. You're going to mix that with his strength and his defense. And then the defense just, like, he cannot hang with a guard whatsoever. He's got really slow feet. Um, and then, like you said, defensively, he just – for some reason, he guards with his hands, like, always down rather than up or out to the side. They're always, like, like this. It's just – I don't know. It's weird. I guess that's probably why he doesn't have a block shot in the year. But um, Yeah, I was at the point where I was, like, you know, in the beginning of the year, I think he can get, like, the – you know, non the taxpayer mid level. Uh, I don't. I think he'll be on a minimum contract either at the Celtics or another team, and that's fine. You know, like he still is belongs in the league. I think um, as kind of an end of bench guy, but that's what we expected, and that's more or less what he's been. Is he a free agent? I think so. Signed a three year. Uh, pages loading. Uh, yes, he is a three agent. He's only yeah. twenty six. I'm twenty six. Uh, well. That's one thing in common you don't want to have with some usually. Um, also, I didn't block a shot this year. That's true. You had as many blocks any, as I didn't play any organized in nine, basketball. In 900 less minutes, you have yeah. uh, <laughs> the same amount of blocks. Um, yeah. Hey, I don't think – I mean, the other four guys left on the roster. I, don't think I like Luke Cornett. You want to grade him? I like the idea of him. A-plus for what I expected, which was maybe we'll cut him and sign a buyout guy. That's true. He he lasted longer than than uh 
I'm just going to say Mo because you make fun of the way I say his last name. Wagner. <laughs> Did you see the uh, the Orlando game a couple weeks ago? It was Cornette versus uh, Wagner for like Oh, man, five the revenge minutes. series. Yeah, Wagner was actually That reminds me it. of the documentary Once Brothers starring Vlade Divac and uh, Drazen Petrovic. You know, they were they were boys and now they're rivals. Kind of like the, um, when the Iron Curtain. No, it wasn't that. It was another thing. It's like Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Suarez. What was his name? Eduardo? Eduardo, yeah. I don't remember his last name. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> Might have been Suarez. They were once boys, and now they're just... Oh, man, things change, don't they? Money will change people. Maybe, right. may, maybe we'll be rival podcasts eventually, you know, just like Luke and, and Mo. Can we at least be uh, Kobe and Shaq instead of Luke and Mo? <laughs> Because they were kind um, of rivals too for a bit. I, I like to think we're somewhere in between. <laughs> so maybe like a like a Westbrook KD, or is that still too uh, high? Yeah, I'm just gonna say somewhere in between. <laughs> All right, yeah. So Taco Tremont and Carson, I, we're not gonna grade them. They, they're just yeah. They didn't play basketball. Yeah, this they don't. Year. They don't. They don't deserve. They, they don't. They don't. They didn't do anything to deserve our scrutiny. Um, both good and, and I mean that in a both good and bad way. Well, Tremont started tonight, so I guess we could have graded him off tonight's performance. But I so so he if you he is the worst player in the league if he's playing alongside the bench unit, and he might look actually okay if you put him alongside NBA players. Tremont, yeah, that's my takeaway because I'm thinking of that time against the Lakers that he uh, made the starters go back in uh, during a 25 point lead. Yep, I remember uh, that. But and then, then, but then he, he and then played Wagner a little was bit later. cut the next day because yeah. he was part of that unit. And then uh, also, uh, I think uh, Tremont started against the Bulls later, mm-hmm. and uh, he actually played okay for what I expected. Like, and uh, so I don't know. It's he's kind of the what fifth, fourth string point guard at, at this point. Um, and uh, yeah, I think. Jabari Parker is another guy who's been playing for us who I, I've liked. You know, he he's been Jabari been, Parker. He hasn't been playing for us, but sure. Never mind. He, he got benched. But, <laughs> yeah, shout out Jabari. Keep uh, keep, 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 keep the dream alive, man. I haven't alive, said man. this on the record yet, but he was my, like, my favorite player in the league when he was drafted. Oh, hell yeah. I loved him at Duke. I he, just <laughs> He kind of reminds me of Michael Porter Jr., to an extent, sure. I will say only. I will say for a specific reason. Okay. Or like passing the ball, defending in space. MPJ's gotten better, a little bit better. But like, at first you're just like no. But then, you want to say he's a low feel player, but he has ridiculous IQ when it comes to cutting finding ways, and, cutting. Yeah. And like finding ways to get his own shot. Like MPJ. Uh, he's wired very similarly to M- MPJ. Yeah. Yes, sir. And Carson Edwards, by the way, the last player, he was the first player off the bench last night against Miami. When Kemba went down, hey. it looked like it could have been a scary injury. He came in right away and just stuck Duncan Robinson, just followed him everywhere. Didn't matter. Yeah. He shot right over the, the little guy, but. A <laughs> little, <laughs> oh, man. Just kidding. Carson will be in my heart forever for his quads. Those are, yeah, and his uh, amazing summer league stretch. Um, yep which had everybody thinking uh, that Sixers got fleeced for the uh, for that trade where we got him and another pick that we gave to Suns. 
Um, and then we had that pick. That's like the Bucks pick or something. I don't even fucking know at this point. I don't remember. <laughs> these are these are too late in the draft yeah. for me to remember. I wish we had Matisse Thibault, man. He was seen. Yeah, he he wore Celtics hat when he was drafted, <laughs> and there was a Celtics background when he walked Void up the to trade. the trade. Yeah, I wish. Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain was technically drafted by us and traded. Yeah. Um, we got to uh, trading these things. NFL, <laughs> yeah, NFL has uh, progressed beyond the need for like making them wear the hat from the team that technically drafted them. And I think NBA should follow suit. I know it's like against the CBA and they're all like agreed to terms like conditionally because they can't make the trade until, you know, after the, the moratorium or whatever. But it's so stupid. I know that's kind of uh, that take has been played out, but just let them wear the hats they want to wear. The, also, the post-draft interview has to go. Like the crazy – who was it? It was Trey Lance got drafted by Sanford mm-hmm. at three, and they immediately asked him about Jimmy G. It's like, who do you – he's coming to take well, his that's job? That's terrible, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah I'm, coming, I'm coming for you, Jimmy. He's like, no, <laughs> you didn't say that. But there was like a time like on the NBA, like on the ESPN show where they said that Robert Woodard – had gotten picked by the Grizzlies because he did, but that pick went to the Kings. And like the, the whoever was the talking head was like, oh, yeah, so they got Jaron, they got Brandon Clark, and they got Robert Woodard. They're just adding some length, and they're just doing this spiel because it's such a confusing process, and he put on a Grizzlies hat. Or, you know, I guess he didn't put on the hat because he wasn't in the green room, but like they didn't acknowledge that it was actually going to the Kings on the broadcast. I just, I just hope for an NBA draft where Woj and Shams don't spoil everything. Yeah, um, I mean, we have a in my college group chat, we have a no spoilers rule for those who want to just enjoy the draft in the traditional way. Um, the NFL does a good job of not doing that. Yeah. Shout yeah, out to absolutely. Shefty and Rappaport because Woj and Shams, they, I don't know. They're, they're, they're leeches, man. Well, they don't tweet it in the right way. They say, like, sources tell me the Pacers yeah. are strongly. And it was <laughs> funny, like, it was funny in, like, 2018 when they first did it. But now everyone, I've made this, I've said this before. It's like, I can't deal with everyone being like, ah, Woj said laser focused. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be the fourth straight year of that. And I just want to try to, if there was a way to, like, mute jokes about that, then I would do it. Okay. There's, yeah. That ra- we're getting too sidetracked. That wraps us up. Um, everybody, uh, thanks for listening. Um, give us a like and review on Apple Podcasts if you don't mind. Uh, check Please it out. do it. Like yeah. I'm going to Paul Pierce myself when we get to 100. I said that in the first episode, and I really regret it. I think you lowered the – I think you just raised the number. I think it was way lower than 100. I, think, first. I think it was a million. Okay. I thought yeah, you I'm gonna, I'll stick. I'll stick with a thousand. I'll stick with 100,000. You know he admitted to that, right? Oh, man, he did. He admitted that he wasn't injured. He literally shit himself. Uh, but, okay, yeah, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, like and review Apple Podcast, please, please, if you don't mind. It helps us out a lot. Um, and check out Premium Hoops. Uh, Mark's yeah, doing some do great it. stuff there. We have a great, this weekend on Locker Room, we're going to do our NBA Awards show, um, which will be up in podcast form shortly after. And check out Sense of Scalability. They just keep dropping fire and fire and fire. Can, can I uh, highlight a specific Premium Hoops episode? Yeah. Uh, do the WNBA ones. Mm. Um, and because I'm learning so much from Bobby Mummery. Uh, Second at, one just came out today, correct? Yeah, exactly. And if you if you have 17 bucks, 
that you'd like to spend on stuff. Spend it on WNBA League Pass. I see. Here's the thing: is I feel like NBA hamstrings itself here because all it shows is like dunks, and that's like the one thing that doesn't always carry over to women's basketball. Yeah. So it's like all the top ten plays are dunks, and I feel like what we're trying to do is just develop a pre, you know, help people point out the little nuances and the tactics and all that. Um, like, you know, that's what Joe does for premium hoops. That's what you and I try to do. And all that stuff carries over to WNBA. Um, it's all there. And if people just, once you kind of learn that in the NBA, it'll come very naturally to you watching WNBA. So I'm going to really watch it this summer. Um, haven't really been too super into it prior, but I think I'll really like it. If there's dude, listen, there's no basketball on, and then there's that basketball. Absolutely, I'm tuning in. Yeah. When does it start? Uh, in like a week from now, I think. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So I'll probably have to juggle that with the NBA playoffs. But like, when it gets to like down the stretch, um, I, you bet I'm rooting for the Connecticut Sun. And I believe uh, the Connecticut. It's funny because I think that's the only time you've been to Connecticut is to go to Mohegan Sun. So maybe oh, no, uh, Foxwoods. Okay, right. You you yeah. went to there instead. Yeah. Yeah, that's the only time I've been in Connecticut. <laughs> was for that, Foxwoods, which I need to go back again this summer. Uh, yeah, let's let's gamble soon, man. Yeah, <laughs> let's lose a bunch of money. Uh, <laughs> all right, everyone, that's it. That wraps us up. I'm not saying anything else. Have a good rest of your day. See you.